0: The Story Of is brought to you in partnership with Knowit, the all-in-one credit management solution empowering businesses and accountants to mitigate credit risk, reduce debtor days, and boost cash flow. For more information on Knowit or to sign up for a free trial, check out know-it.co.uk. That's know-it.co.uk. Welcome to The Story Of, a show about founders, innovators, entrepreneurs, and the stories behind the businesses, technology, and movements they have built.
1: I am Lynn Darcy-Quigley. I'm the CEO and founder of Note and Darcy-Quigley. I've been in commercial debt recovery for over 30 years. And in this episode, we'll be talking about the story of notes I'm Phil Hobden, And on the show today, I'm
0: joined by Lynn Darcy-Quigley, serial entrepreneur, experienced SME business owner, and someone with a track record of almost 30 years within the credit management industry, including the last 17 running one of the UK's leading commercial recovery businesses. So Lynn, welcome to the podcast um obviously know it are uh, a, a kind of a sponsor to the podcast so it's good to get you on here to talk about your story. So I guess the first question from me is what brought you into the world of commercial recoveries and credit management
1: uh, I think for me just the sheer injustice of not getting your invoices paid you know why shouldn't a business be paid for you know for getting the invoices they've delivered the product they've delivered the service. You know they should be getting paid. So you know, from a very, very um, young age, for me, um, starting in debt recovery when I was seventeen, it, I was really could not believe that people didn't get their invoices paid. You know, so for me, it was it was a real injustice about it, and the fact that morally, why shouldn't you be paid if you've done a really good job or gave a good service?
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting, right? It's like I've I've always I've always found it I've always found it really. Really odd that people are so embarrassed to ask for money for the work that they've had done, and the work that they do, and and, and to chase that. Why do you think, they Why do you think as a country that that we struggle so much asking people to to actually pay us what we're owed?
1: Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a, an SME struggle. I have to say, um, because obviously within Darcy Quickly we deal with the, the you know the larger clients um who maybe have a credit control team you know, and they have have a team to deal with and it's desensitized at that point. I think when it's an owner-occupied business and it's in the SME and there's a relationship there, um, I think it's all to do with that. I think it's a relationship um, and the embarrassment to ask them, when do they think I need it? Do they think I don't have any money? Um, You know, I'll get paid when I get paid. I might not get business from them again. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of that, you know, going on, but I think that's the reason for it.
0: Yeah, uh, it's that very British thing, isn't it? I'm sure, I I wonder if, in America, if they have the same problem that we have in in the UK.
1: No chance. Not a chance, no. You you think they're far more bold, though? Absolutely, it's front and centre, isn't it? I need paid, and can you pay me now, please? And and I guess that, 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 that... and I guess that's kind of top to bottom. But yeah, I think another
0: problem we have in the UK is we have kind of large suppliers and, and large um, businesses. I'm thinking like the supermarkets and the, the multiples and, and places like that that, that, that really do kind of stretch payment days for as long yeah, as possible. I
1: Yeah, I think they do. and There always is a David and Goliath thing at play, always has, has always been that case. But it's not just them. You know, it's. We've, we've, I think, unfortunately, where we are in twenty twenty three, we've actually just got to the stage where, you know, we just think it's normal not to be paid in time, and we we also think, from a supplier's perspective, well, if they want their money, they'll ask for it. Um, you know, so I, I think on both sides, both very guilty of just being quite lax of it now, um, and we've almost normalized it, which is a real shame.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those things that just definitely shouldn't be normalized, right? Like that that I agree. late payment. So. What took you from having a healthy interest in, in this sector to going, do you know what? I'm going to start up a business focusing on commercial recoveries. How did you make that step from, from one to the other? And I guess, I guess why? Right? It's, it's a big thing to turn around and go, I'm now going to go out there and, and be a champion for, for businesses.
1: Yeah, I think it was for that exact reason. I just felt that having done it and, and worked in another business doing what we do... Um, very early on and there was certain aspects of that that I thought you know that's not really the way to do it and it was more about running the business it was more about running the business side of it it was the you know to be really customer centric make sure the customer always has everything they need not the data nothing to do with the data nothing to do about the money side it was more about you know actually giving that really good service and not being faceless you know the debt recovery industry I remember from a way back you know 30 odd years ago it was very very faceless Um, You know, they didn't have socials. The website present wasn't very big. They didn't really want to see what they were doing. It was very cloak and dagger. And that's why out there there is a, still today, it's still very, very much, you know, a thing that people think the debt recovery, we all, you know, we go about with big sticks and we hit people and, you know, we wear big cloaks and it's all very, very bad. Um, And that was why when I started out, I thought, you know, I've mastered the way of getting paid. And I understand the reasons why not to be paid, and I understand why you should be paid. Now let's put it all together and make sure the customer is at the heart of everything that we do when we're all from recovery. And that was really why I started doing it myself because I thought I can do it better. Um, I can have a better environment. I can have better training. Um, I can add better facilities. You know, I can give them everything that the industry was lacking. That that was really why.
0: Yeah, and I I think. You're right about that perception of the industry and that perception of how it works. I'm sure if you ask the majority of people in the UK about commercial debt recovery, their probably one reference point would be that uh, Channel Five TV show "Can't Pay, Take It Away" and the guys in the suit going around and banging on the doors. Right? That's what that's what they would perceive to be that that debt recovery and what it looks like. But uh, in fact,
1: in reality, it's, it's nothing like that. It's not no. And I think very very early on in my career, I chose not to be involved in the consumer recovery purely from a moral standpoint it just didn't sit right with me um you know when people can't pay their debts there is always a bigger reason behind it you may have lost their job or you know they've had some unfortunate events and i didn't really morally that didn't sit with me so that was not the environment i wanted to create for us so commercial recovery has always been our specialism so i trained in commercial recovery and when i opened darcy quickly we purely focus on commercial debt recovery globally you know we don't ever deal with consumers um, you know so that can't take it away peace shouldn't really sit with us you know we are actually an extension of a credit control team within a business and um, we are a bit of Samaritan sometimes to you know the SME and the founder who you know just needs that help they're very good at what they do day to day but they're actually not good about at the recovery piece they worry about it keeps them awake at night we're really good at that you know so it was almost when I started out I was like you know let us take that pressure that pain 'Cause we can deal with it really well and we're not we're not emotionally attached, we're not emotionally involved. We'll protect your brand and you and we'll protect your own brand and we'll move forward and we'll get you paid. You know, so that was always, you know, a big thing for us is that unfortunately perception is something that I can't do anything about. You know, I could have millions and millions and millions of pounds and spend loads trying to change people's view on what debt recovery means. But the reality is, is once you use commercial recovery, you get it and you stay. That's the thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, like, Zero have been at the forefront of um, a lot of research around the impact on, on late payments to SM, SMBs, and I was at a report from, from 2019, and I know this hasn't changed a great deal since, but 48% of invoices issued by small businesses are paid late, but 87% of businesses reported that invoices get paid after the due date. So like you say, it, it's a massive, in, a massive impact, and it has a massive impact on 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 businesses and and the ability for them to to operate and, and and move forward. What do you think is? What do you think needs to be done to change this? Is it something that can be done educationally, or is it something that has to be done
1: legislatively? Um, um, there's a word that I can't say very well. I know, and I'm, um, I am not even going to try and repeat your legislative question. Uh, <laughs> But um, I, I think over the years I've been part of both the legislation questions. I've actually even had my piece said about it. You know, over the years when people come and ask me about it, uh, my answer is yes and no. Um, there's there's no real enforcement behind legislation, is there? You know, a business is going to do what it needs to do at the time to survive, and you have to remember, maybe the reason that they're not paying that invoice is because they're also not being paid within a chain, within a credit cycle. You know, it's cause and effect. Um, and to try and fix cause and effect is really, really difficult. Trust me, I've tried for thirty years. Right. So what I would say is you need to have it in the forefront of your mind. You know, you can't just be busy and not think about the back end of the business. A lot of businesses where they where the biggest mistake is they think about sales, my lead, my sale, my marketing, my brand. Let's get another lead. Let's close the lead. Let's get our commission. Did it all of that. But what they don't realise is. That's all very good and well, but if you don't get paid, there is no sale, right? And people don't often like working from the tail end of the business into the front of the business because it's it's a bit messy. It could be a wee bit negative. It's not where all the good news is shared, right? You know, we all run about ring bells and we get a lead and we get a sale. We know what that feels like. There's a euphoria there, isn't there? Whereas when you're down in the back end of your ledger and you're phoning people and asking for money and, you know, it's graft. um, And a lot of businesses... Will avoid that. There's no doubt about it in my mind. You know, that what they said that the average business will write off 10% of their debt so they just don't have to phone it. I mean, that's just ridiculous, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and the problem is 10% of the debt usually equates to 30% of profit. profit. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> or sometimes, and and, and sometimes even 30 to 40% of the sales at the front, you need to put 30, 40% more at the top. Of course, effort. Day. To get that one league that's gonna replace that ten percent and it, Absolutely. It, just, it just makes no sense. You you're right, like there, there's no credit control departments that have a bell that gets rung every time they recover a debt, right? Like apart,
1: apart from mine, Apart for yours. because <laughs> um, we're just so excited that the client got paid and you know, the release for the client scene, we got paid. So yeah, I mean I've got a bell, but um but yeah, you know, you're right. It's it's um it's a necessary evil collecting money. Um And I do really, really believe that businesses, some invest really well in the back end of their business and their processes are really robust. And, you know, they do ask for money and they have a, you know, they have a real strict deadline of when money should be paid and when it shouldn't be paid and how and what their process looks like. And I think if a business invests in that from day one, not even from day one, even if you just want to change the wheel and go, look, I'm going to be better at this. There's so many things out there that can make them so much better than actually doing that without them having to sit at the back end of the ledger phone and asking for money all the time.
0: So, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's a really fair point. So, how does, what was the experience of the pandemic to the industry? Because obviously that must have just thrown everything up in the air in terms of kind of businesses, expectations, trading. You know, how yeah. do you, how, what was that like for that period of time? Because I'm guessing the rule book that existed around like payments and and funding and revenue and
1: everything else just completely went out the, out the door, right? Yeah. I think um, speaking from commercial debt recovery um, from, from us, um, almost overnight, we were kind of a not allowed to trade anymore. You know, we couldn't be seen to be server petitions. We couldn't be seen to be asking for money Um, our clients were really sensitive about sending cases to debt recovery because they knew the pressures that businesses were under if they were in businesses that actually the pandemic stopped them from trading which there was many businesses out there that did many businesses had to diversify so I would have said it was probably really good for some people and really bad for others and what I mean by that is we get flooded with loads of money didn't we? we get bounce backs we get um c bills we get recovery loans we got it really cheap you know so probably a lot of businesses were actually quite um you know quite buoyant financially during covid for one reason or another because they could borrow really cheap and it allowed them to maybe work on their business and accelerate their business and then there was other businesses that were crucified because they just fell off the face of the cliff so for me and for our full business for two years, COVID was really difficult. We had to navigate. And I suppose why we're here today is, is that's why the story of Know what became about, is Know It became a COVID spin-out product for us because our traditional ways and traditional business and traditional recovery and clients kind of a put a stopper on most things. I went, do you know what, we to reevaluate how, how we do business, how we get business and You know, do we, can we use recovery? No, because we can't serve winding ups and we can't liquidate. We can't take assets away. We can't send the bailiffs out or the sheriff officers. Almost all our business activity was halted via the government. Um, And we actually didn't get allowed to really go live until July 22. from March 20. Yeah. That's a,
0: that's a long period where, you know, your core business is, is not available. So yeah, it's an interesting story, isn't it? Like, you, a lot of people during the pandemic kind of took a step back and went, you know, what am I going to do? And and some people decided that they were going to travel around the world, and and mm-hmm. some people decided they were going to change jobs. You decided yeah. to you decided to build a what effectively is a SaaS tech product um, to solve the late payments uh, problems within the UK. Talk me through that mindset because that's a hell of a link to go from. From commercial recovering, quite a traditional business, right? yeah, absolutely. business model, yeah, something sort of that is a, a much more kind of tech focused
1: and, I guess, trickier landscape to to, to navigate. Yeah, um, I ask myself that question every day, Phil. Why, <laughs> why, why did I do it? Um, I suppose the why was, um, you know, although Darcy Quigley is a very, very traditional business in terms of the way we take instructions, but internally our business is very tech focused. You know, we you know, in two thousand and fifteen, we basically ripped up the rule book and said we're going to become a paper, paperless office, and that's very difficult when you're getting legal documents, you're getting petitions, you're getting winding up orders, you're getting reports coming in, you're getting lawyers all the time. Um, you know I think even a fax machine was still alive in 2015 and we went nope, we're not doing it you know we're going completely paperless we're going to write our own CRM system we're going to bring in Salesforce, um, and we're going to automate everything that we do in life we actually brought zero in at that point as well um, we were Sage 50 customers and, and I said no nah. you know as much as I love Sage and I, I love Sage 50 and it ran our business for a long number of years just having that tech was really it was probably me more than anything. I just wanted to be slicker and faster and cheaper, um, and I recognised that we couldn't do that if we stayed being traditional. So that's probably where it started. Um, but over the years, SMEs obviously come into us every day from a debt recovery perspective. They may be the clients, they may be the daters more often than the daters rather than the clients. To be often to be to be honest, but I realised very very quickly the Don't have information that we would normally get. We take it for granted. I think bigger businesses take the whole credit landscape for for granted, you know, whereas SME could really be doing with that landscape. They could be doing with the reporting, the monitoring, you know, looking at how their customers are behaving. And they didn't really have access to that. Not only didn't they have access to it, they didn't really understand it and they couldn't really consume it very well. So that was why, for me, during the pandemic, I thought I've got some time in my hands, whereas you say people were going around the Bahamas in a boat, and I'm going, no, I'm going to spin out a take solution, and that's what we done. You know, we go down to it, we planned it, and we started it So, tell so, I guess
0: for those people that don't know, what's the pitch? Uh, what does Noic do, and and I guess kind of where's your core focus um, okay.
1: around the product? Yeah, so I think for us. Um, mm-hmm probably start off with the name know it is because you don't know what you don't know. Um and I think people make those classic groundbreaking mistakes because they don't know what they're doing. Um, you know, so the so the core offering for me was to bring no was to bring all that knowledge together in the one place and say, look, if you give us your accountancy app and you put your you put your accounts piece in here, we are going to tell you everything you need to know from the very start of your credit process to the very end of your credit process. You know, so from a credit management perspective, big clients have that need, you know, they do have a credit team, you know, the credit check and they watch and they give a, you know, a borrowing limit and they take them through the right to them. They put them in a nice stunning cycle and then they send them legal. That's what the big guys do out there. But it's the SME or the SMB that really needs that support. So that was why I know it was created so we could give them end to end credit control process all in the one space. They don't have to log out and go anywhere else. Anything they want to consume about their customer and about their future customer is in platform. Interesting. Um, And
0: I guess it's a good way to kind of, you know, to to give people that technology and give people that that ability to to try and avoid that. And I guess the mentality for, for you is that ultimately... I guess, ultimately, here's the question, would you, would you like to be in a position where, obviously, you Noah know is it, super successful, businesses take it on board, would you, would you like to be in a position down the line where actually Darcy Grigley becomes something that is the exception in the industry rather than the rule, right, because I guess that must be that danger of, you build a really good product, it, it gets ad- adopted really well, the industry goes, actually, we're no longer going to do late payments, um, you know, one business almost becomes it will never become obsolete. I mean, this is an ideal world, right? But but can you foresee f- that? You know, how would you feel about that if if people got so on top of their payments that actually commercial recovery
1: didn't need to be a thing anymore? Okay, so morally that would be outstanding, wouldn't it? You know, because that's that because that, that's my mission, isn't it? To make sure we get paid. So. I would, be con- I would be contradicting myself if I said that wouldn't be an ideal world, but do you know what? I've been doing it long enough and I'm cynical enough to know that that's not going to happen. Um, you know, so I think the risk outweighs the mission here. Yeah. Um, I think 80-20 rule for me is always at play, you know, you'll have 80% of your customers who are really good, you know, they are thankful for the service and the product, they will pay you um, and you'll have no issues. And then there's that 20% of your ledger that's always just going to be a little bit risky. Um, and the business to decide at that point, do I want to continue with that risk? Do I want to fund that risk? Do I want to keep giving them products and service um, and just take them as a late payment and a bad data? You know, I suppose that's, that, that's a business decision. But I think, yeah, I mean, that would be outstanding if the world looked like that. But unfortunately, as soon as you give someone an opportunity to take and get something with credit terms, you're going to have that risk where they don't pay.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I think you're right. I think any time that you, you offer those credit terms, you see it in consumer finance, you know, there's no reason to believe that it would it it could ever change. What could businesses do better? Um, from your experience and from everything you've seen, what could an SMB do better to ensure that actually they, they reduce their risk and, and that, that that they can kind of mitigate this happening
1: yeah right okay well without plugging the platform and saying just go and plug in you know what and that will solve the world's biggest problem I would say you know that whole know your customer piece is just really critical for me you know I think we go into business too lax these days and we don't really do our our due diligence whatever that looks like whatever shape or form you know if you don't have technology put it in a put it in a credit application form you know you can get one online you know what are the key things I should know about my customer before doing business with them you know that's and you can do searches and stuff you know you can find out more about your customer before you before if you're already in and they're already your customer you know staying close to them that's you know that's the thing that people don't really do that well you know they they only stay close to them during the sale but it's when the product shipped or the service is given they start to detach you know the salesperson or the you know the business of the operational side is already onto the next customer and there is that window where the customers, you know, 30, 45 days are really allowed to do what they want. And during that time, they could be setting up loads of other credit agreements and um, pulling more product from everywhere else um, and using your cash to do it. You know, so yeah. um, there's there's, a, there's just a few things at play, isn't there?
0: I always remember the story and it was one that really resonated with me. Back in the uh, 2008 give or take a few years. Obviously, things were quite tumultuous and, and we had the financial crash, but one of the stories that always resonated me, with, with me was Woolworths. And Woolworths, obviously, we knew it, it collapsed, but what a lot of people don't realise is that Woolworths was also a supplier to uh, what was Xavi at the time, so Virgin, we used to be Virgin Megastores, turned around to be um, and They were a supplier in terms of kind of stock And in fact, they supplied the majority of stock from their entertainment sub business to Zavi. So when Woolworths went down just before Christmas, it took out the entire supply chain for Zavi. Zavi couldn't trade at Christmas. They couldn't fulfill online orders. And as you know, for any business, Christmas is where most companies make the bulk of their money. So therefore, Zavi went under Mm -hmm. through no fault of their own. I think there's something that, and I know this is within the night platform, that that idea of checking it as well and and kind of understanding who your suppliers suppliers are and and, and what happens to them. Talk me a little bit about that because I think that's absolutely something that people don't do. I've been in finance and, and banking for a long time and... And I know you might do a credit check when you start dealing with a customer, but then you
1: go, oh, okay, cool, we've got a credit check and, and we move on. You move on, yeah. 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 I think that's probably the, the biggest thing. I suppose unsecure credits for us in platform is, and there is an education piece around this because, you know, having done lots of conversations and lots of lots of demos around the unsecure creditors piece in the platform, I can see often in people's faces and in their eyes they go, oh, there's that light bulb moment where they go, oh, okay, Um, I, mm, I didn't really know that that was a thing. It absolutely is a thing. You know, you can see your customer's customer. And what that happens, it's the credit cycle I spoke about earlier. You know, sometimes people don't pay you because they haven't been paid, right? You, you can't be s- silly enough to think that your customer just doesn't want to pay you, right? There is a there is, there is a few scenarios like that, but really it's because they haven't been paid so that's where the unsecured creditors piece is really perfect because you're seeing if your customer's customer has had a loss, which ultimately will come down the pipeline and affect you to get paid. No doubt about it. You know, somebody's lost a million and they owe you a hundred thousand, right? That's a tenth, right? That they they don't they don't have that money anymore. They're not getting it. Somebody's got to pay for that. And unfortunately that's where you as a creditor said, so, You know, you're the person that's paying for that that loss and it is coming down the line. Now you would never see that in a million years, um, unless you were in platform. When you would hear about it is if you go a proxy engine liquidator and they go, your client lost money nine weeks ago, by the way, so although you've been chasing for the last seventy five days, you're actually not getting paid. I think I think it comes back to that point
0: you make when businesses don't have a fully functioning credit control or, or credit team, yeah. but actually it's really easy to miss or not see a lot of these things coming. And when you've got that credit team, it's a lot easier. But ultimately, where do you invest as a business? Do you invest in a credit team or do you invest in sales and, and all of that side? And invariably, you, you tend to invest in the front end, but put someone on a 20-hour week running your credit control team who, who or running credit control for your business and it's their responsibility
1: to pick all these things up. And it- it's not possible without technology. It's just not, no. you know, because um, having been a credit manager and haven't haven't been head of credit and sat in all of those roles, um, you cannot do that without technology because you can only single search. So you know, if you've got five, six thousand, you know, maybe ten thousand customers in your ledger, that's not it's not possible. Um, and it depends where you're supplying into as well because your average order values get a lot to do with that you know because we've seen clients that are nuts and bolts and little pieces so you know they're maybe only 2 pounds fifty, pounds 90 but they've got millions of them getting shipped out the door and they've got maybe six, seven, eight thousand 8,000 clients in such low order value or we've got clients that are you know got maybe only 400 customers but their average order value is huge so it's less effort Um You know, see, you've got you've got to get it right. You know, it's really, really, really difficult to try and manage money when you don't have an insight um, to see anything. You know, so that you know, for me personally, that I probably went in a bit of a journey when I was writing, no, because I was thinking, how would I be if I had to sit down in a ledger? You know, in the old days, I would print it off, it would be 50 fifteen, I would need to go through manually and phone everybody and tick them off, but I would have no pay, no way of saying my expected payments coming in next week, so I don't need to phone them again. Oh, I've sent a letter out because I would use a manual Dunning cycle, like Microsoft, you know, something like that. You know, the fact that automation exists in our world right now is just absolutely fantastic. And, you know, no matter how many customers you've got, you need to use technology to make sure that your, your credit facility runs well, whether it's a founder or whether it's a team, because a team, a team could totally use this product. We've got teams. You know, we've got big credit control teams that are using this just now to do their done in cycles, do all the letter chasing, and then simply send it to recovery. They were using us anyway, but they had to send all the recovery manually. Now they just press a button and just say collect it and send it away. So it cuts their time down as well.
0: Yeah. It's I I, I genuinely think it's 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 a fascinating topic and it's, it's one of those ones where people don't spend enough time looking into it, um and, and, and understanding
1: it. It's an afterthought. Yeah,
0: absolutely that. So I want to just I want to pivot slightly um, and talk a little bit about you as a as a founder. So you're a, a female founder, serial entrepreneur, based up in in Scotland. And, and from what I've seen so far, and over the last few years, Scotland seems to be a, like really a developing hub of tech businesses and support for tech businesses. Yeah why is that and and how has that helped you in in
1: your journey and and, and where you are today the, the wise troll of course we're scottish and we're really good right let's, let's, get, let's get that let's get that out there right now <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, you know i i, I think um the scottish government have invested massively in tech um we are a small nation but you know you know we've done television penicillin you know we're, we're really a super nation in Scotland that's me just banging the drum aren't we you know we're an innovative we have to be you know because we're small and you know we have to make sure that we're you know we're, we're making products or we're making systems that we're the best that we can be um, and I think Scotland's government have really invested massively in that Um, you know we've got FinTech Scotland who have got huge associations all over the world I've been in a few of their missions I've been, I was out in Australia with them um, part of the Scottish government I was out in Australia been in San Francisco um, down to you know the valley um, you know they invest very heavily in tech because if they feel that there's a solution that can be globalised which there's can late payments all over the world um, you know they feel that they want to support you um, and get you out there and make sure that they invest as well and I didn't come from tech Phil you know I'm, I am not take at all i love the way it works and i like the fact that it's slick and it gives me information because i'm i want to be that type of person i want to know i'm quite analytical Um, i like to know the why but i'm not necessarily interested in how it works if that makes sense i just want to know that my output's really good um so i think if you're up for it in scotland and you're a female founder or any founder you know the support's there massively and even being a female founder i know there were very few and far between but there's more of us coming coming and coming and coming i've been a female founder for 17 years it's not anything new to me um i've always been quite I'm not saying i'm unique but i mean there's not very many female founders in commercial debt recovery globally is there i think they'd be quite hard to find <laughs> you've probably counted on one hand though right okay so you know i'm definitely not unique i think just you know i've just went you know this is where we're really good and i'm going to stay in my lane um, quite good at staying in my lane just you know, doing what I'm really good at um, and staying, you know, make sure we build a business around what we're really good at um, and then technology in Scotland is just booming you know, everybody's our, our system is really vibrant up here you know, everybody's really I'm actually part of a it's a WhatsApp group Um, and the amount of information that flows through that group is absolutely obscene now I can't consume half of it because I'm not the tech side um, but just the sheer, you know, get up and the gumption that they've got to be all over the world, the products coming out of Glasgow and Edinburgh is just fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's it's. I've I've known I've known several Scottish founders,
1: and um, like we both know Colin at Float and and. Well, it's Colin that started the. Colin, that's responsible for the the WhatsApp. Group and he's got all these founders on. They're not not necessarily based in Scotland anymore. They're all over the world. They're global products. But I'll tell you, there's you know they're doing some outstanding stuff. You know, um, and I'm part of it and I can see it. And I'm thinking, God, we've just came from collecting money, but then I need to pinch myself and go without money and without cash flow. There is no business, and then I revert back to thinking, right, we're doing a really positive thing. Think of your mission, yeah. You know, you know, you're still doing the best thing is getting people paid. Um, although I'm not reinventing, you know, some people in these chats are making lungs and hearts and changing the world as we know it. <laughs> and I'm saying you need to get paid in time.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to change the world if you're not getting paid, right? Like absolutely. Like, it's, you know, it's it's great to change the world and it's great to be in a business of doing that. But that business needs to be paid I because otherwise, I otherwise, it, it, it's not there anymore. We've seen it. You, we've seen. Big tech businesses for various reasons, but the WeWorks and the Tharanos and and all of these businesses that, that are there. But if the money doesn't flow in and out, um, and it has to go both ways, right? Like you have to make it and you have to you have to get it. If it, if it's not if that's not happening, then the business doesn't exist. So I I think it's I think it's a, a a really I think it's a really important mission. And and also if you look at if you look at COVID and and what we learned from there, I think one of the the lessons that people learn was to better understand their business and their finances and I was working in in um, a fintech business around funding and, and lending around that time and in a very short period of time we went from an industry where 10 to 12% of businesses had cash flow forecasts just for a period of time and it's probably dropped down now because it's not needed as much but something like 42 43% of businesses had a cash flow forecast now that just shows that the, the industry can change if there's something that forces that change so you know you're absolutely right it, it, it i think it's that combination of education legislation has to play a piece and and i think i think businesses have to play a piece of their own as well because yeah. you can't you can't sit there waiting for it you have to be maybe, maybe, maybe that should be uh, maybe that should be a campaign just be, be more American
1: um, when, yeah or even but, uh, well like even in Australia as well though, I found you know, the Australian do- adoption digital adoption was huge compared to us here yeah I know, I know they're a smaller nation but I think they started out with digital as the way forward and that we're not going to give you anything unless you come from a digital standpoint um, I think we've had a bash at it we make tax digital and stuff like that you know and I think we I think that gave us a, probably a stab is not fair. Um, I th- you know, I think we've obviously taken the curve on it and we've slowed yeah. it down a little bit. We should maybe be a little bit more aggressive again and start on that and see if we can get it actually over and in. Because um, I think it would help massively. You know, if that digital adoption is there when you're doing your accounts um, and every business is behaving the same way, you're almost you unif- uniform, and then all they need to do is plug it into all these environments that will help yeah. them. You know that that's yeah. the standpoint point on it. I mean, obviously, I'm not an accountant. Um, you know, and I don't I don't come from that viewpoint. I'm always 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 about cash flow and cash collection. Um, and for me, the fact that they can get them onto a digital platform just means that everything else is so easy attainable, isn't it? You can yeah. you can go and get anything you want if you start off with that good platform and and that account's package. I think the accounts. Packages have got a huge responsibility within that, you know, because they are the mothership, and we just all connect, don't we? That's that's the thing.
0: Yeah, and and, and that's one of the, the the great things about this industry. And I I spoke um recently up for this podcast um to Hamish uh, who was one of the founders at Zero, and he I think he said something similar. Like at the time, we didn't quite realise the impact we would have, but now looking back on it, you know we a lot of billions have been created not just because of zero directly but because of zero indirectly and that that digitalization of, of a global industry that yeah. initially had been more maker-based so no i think i think you're absolutely right so linda final question um obviously your core business has been commercial recovery for many years you've probably advised thousands upon thousands of businesses on how to get paid better what would be the one piece of advice you would give to someone, a business owner, who's struggling to recover money owed to their business?
1: One, one bit of advice. That's that's (laughs) difficult. So difficult. Um, Okay. I always say to clients, big, small, indifferent, when I do, or I did have an opportunity to speak to them, you know, trust your gut. If it's not right and it doesn't feel right, it's not right. Right, you know, and, and let, let me just give you something that makes that real. Because I know a lot of things when you're in technology, it's not real, is it? It's, you know, it's just a function. Went to the client based in Down South and he had a huge order for about £450,000 worth of hardwood flooring, right? Now, you and I both know hardwood flooring is in every corner, right? Why Why would the company come from the north and go to the south and ask for that amount of credit, right? You know, that's the type of questions businesses need to ask themselves, right? The sale is a sale, which is brilliant. We can all celebrate and bring the bell and do handstands and go, oh, my God, we've got, you know, half a million pound worth of hardwood flooring sales, and they go and check the customer and the customer is absolutely beautiful and it looks really nice and but it's long-arm fraud. If that client had really not been excited and looked at all the facts that were in front of them, it has trusted his gut and went, that's not right, because they could get hardwood flooring one mile around the corner from where they're phoning from and they didn't have to go 460 miles to get the same flooring, right? There's a reason and there was intent to defraud and that is, that's the trust your gut piece. See when you're a founder and you're on your own, that becomes really easy because you're so close to the business. Where it becomes more difficult is, is the, the larger you grow, the bigger you grow, you're, you know, you're less in the business all the time and you're, you're less touching it and you don't hear the story and see the story. So you know your customer piece then falls into technology and I think that's where know lands, is that we do the know your customer piece really well. You know, so if you're not in your business all the time and your business is growing and scaling, which it always should be, and that's the way you should actually look at your business, I'm not always going to be so attached to it. As I've done over the years, you know, I started, I knew everything. I could, there's not a thing anybody could have told me that I didn't know about what was going on in the day to day. It's not like that for me now. You know, so I use know what, All my clients have plugged in, you know, I can see what they're doing, what they've lost, what they've gained, you know, when they're paying my invoice, why they're not paying my invoice, what the problem is, you know, if they get unsecured creditors. You know, so that would be my one piece of advice is always trust your gut. Um but it's got many different layers trusting your gut. It just depends how close you are at your business. But if something does not look right and it doesn't feel right, it's not right.
0: You can find out more about Lynn and know it at know-it.co.uk, and more about Darcy Quigley & Co at darcyquigley.co.uk. That was the story of Know It. You can subscribe to The Story Of on Amazon, Spotify, Apple, and other podcast providers. And if you like what you heard, please remember to rate and review
1: us. Okay, so my fun fact is I've had all of my sacraments, yet I still live today in this world amongst you all.